Well, welcome to Epic. Glad that you're here with us today. If you are new, my name is Trent, and I'm one of the pastors here at Epic. And we are in the middle of a series called Purpose. And together, we are exploring the purposes that that God has for us. And at some point in our lives, we're probably going to ask, hey, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? And and we begin journeys to discover that purpose. And what we've learned in this series is that we were created by God and for God. And since that's a very true reality, we need to be turning to God to get answers about purpose. So we need to be looking to him. We're trying to do that in this series. Say, God, what are the purposes that you have for our lives? Now, if you've been with us so far in the series, you learned that our first purpose is simply to let God love us. It's just to let God love us. And that's probably one of the most difficult purposes for us to fully engage. God made you to love you. So the first thing he wants you to do is receive something from him. It's not to do something for him. And we're, we're a very much doing culture. And so we get wrapped up in trying to do things to earn a relationship with God. And God goes... No, I just want you to just let me love you. First thing I want you to do. Now, the second thing, our second purpose that we learned about in this series is God wants us to belong to him. God wants us to be a part of his family. Ephesians chapter one, verse five says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, God wants to adopt you into his family, and that's a family that will last forever. So God wants you to be a part of his family, second purpose that God has for us. Our third purpose that we learned about last week is another difficult one. The first two are what God does for us, and then we get into purpose three, and we start shifting into what we are doing in our relationship with God. And the third purpose that God has for us is to become more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 said, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. So God wants you to become more like Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you'd say, listen, I'm a part of his family, then God's goal for you is that you learn to become more like Jesus. And we said, you know, that's a difficult thing because we are not like Jesus. And so we've got some work to do. So how do we learn to become like Jesus? We talked last week about spending time with him. One of the first things we have to do, if we want to become like someone else, we want to learn something that someone else knows, we've got to spend time with that person or that type of person. So we need to spend time with Jesus. And we talked about doing that through reading the Bible. So last week we said, we've got to spend larger amounts of time reading the Bible. We need to be lifelong students of the Bible We need to apply it to our lives. So if we are just reading the Bible but not applying, we're just gathering information and we're not doing anything with it, God wants us to to apply it to our lives. And that's how we get transformed. That's how we become more like Jesus. When we read, we watch Jesus do something in scripture. And then when we apply that to our lives, when we do that, then we become a little bit more like Jesus. Now, our fourth purpose is closely tied to our third purpose. So today's message is going to be an extension. It's kind of part two of last week's message of of us learning how to be more like Jesus. And we're going to discover our fourth purpose in the book of John chapter 13. 
So if you've brought a Bible with you, feel free to flip over to that. If not, we've got verses that are going to come up on the screen. Now, John chapter 13 records one of the last conversations that Jesus is going to have with his disciples. So he gathers his disciples for what was known as the Passover meal, and it would later be known as the Last Supper. So this is the last meal that Jesus is going to have with his disciples, last conversation that he's going to be having with him before his death, burial, and resurrection. So significant um, celebration that's happening here. Some significant things are going to happen in this meal. Now, The Passover meal is a part of a bigger celebration that the Jews would do on a regular basis. They did it on a yearly basis to remember what God had done for them when he freed them from 400 years of slavery. So annually, they would get together, have this meal, and remember, remind each other, remember what God did back then when God freed us from slavery. And the, um, there's no coincidence that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection happened during the Passover. That's not just a coincidental thing. You see, they use, used to use a lamb uh, as a part of the Old Testament practice of celebrating the Passover meal. So they would sacrifice a lamb in place of a human life. And then uh, an angel passed over that home where that lamb had been sacrificed. And then along comes Jesus, And his cousin, John the Baptist, calls him the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. So the Old Testament Passover celebration was just a symbol pointing to what Jesus was going to do on the cross, that he was going to free all of us from our slavery to sin. So there's no coincidence that it happened during this Passover time frame. Now, in John 13, starting at verse 1, It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. So here is Jesus knowing my time is is about finished here on planet Earth. And he was about to fulfill the purpose that God had sent him to Earth. Think about this. And the purpose that, that Jesus had come to Earth for was to die for you and me so we can live forever. I mean, it just, just allow that to settle for a moment. His primary purpose was I'm going to come and I'm going to die a horrible death so other people don't have to, so they can be a part of God's family that will last forever. So Jesus knew this was about to happen. And so as he gathers his disciples together, he's going to be very specific about what he's going to say to them and what he's going to do to them, knowing this is kind of the last conversation before something big happens in his world. And with Jesus, everything is a teachable moment. And he's about to use this as a big teachable moment to show his disciples, which includes us, how he really wants us to live. So verse one continues and it says, and I love the rest of this verse. It says, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Everything that Jesus does is based upon his love for humanity. And so he's loving his disciples. Everything that they do all throughout their journey of hanging out with Jesus was based upon his love. And then right to the very end, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to love you to the end. I'm not going to stop short. I'm going to finish and love you all the way. And it's going to be interesting to watch how Jesus does that, how how he loves them through this process right here of what we're going to look at. Verse 2 says, it was time for supper. Now, there was a custom in Jesus' day 
around dinner parties. So if you were throwing a dinner party, if you were throwing a Passover celebration meal, or uh, in our context, maybe you would think about it this way. If you were inviting people over for maybe uh, Easter dinner, maybe Thanksgiving, maybe a Christmas dinner, or if you're having anybody over this weekend for Memorial Day weekend, um, what would happen in Jesus' day is they would have a foot washing servant there at the door of your home And when any guest would show up at the house, the first thing that that the servant would do would be to wash your feet. The streets were very dirty, very, very dusty. People would be wearing sandals. And so they may have taken a bath and, and be clean all over. But by the time they got to your house, their feet were dirty. And so what a servant would do when someone walked in the door would kneel down, take off the, the, that guest's sandals, pour some water over their feet, wash the dust and the dirt off, maybe clean off a little donkey dung, you know, maybe gum you stepped in or something, you know, kind of gross, you know, I don't know if they had a tool for that, you know, hey, got to get the gum off, that's disgusting. Then they would dry your feet off and your feet would be nice and clean. You'd be clean all over and ready for dinner. Now, this wasn't just a nice thing to do for your guests. It was an expected thing for your guests. It was expected by your guests. And if you didn't have this, if you didn't have a servant there when someone showed up for the dinner party, guess what was going on Twitter and Facebook? So-and-so didn't have the foot-washing servant. Not going to that party again, hashtag loser. So you did not want to be the one that didn't have the servant there washing people's feet when they came in. Now, today... If you invite some people over, you're probably not inspecting their feet for dinner. That'd be weird if we did that. Um, But it was very important in Jesus' day, and here's why. They would eat at tables that were low to the ground. So if you imagine, maybe if you have a coffee table at your house, so they're lower to the ground, so there's a bigger table, and they would recline around the table. So they would lean on one side and probably leaning on an elbow as they leaned around the the table together and would eat off of the table. Now, as you're reclining out, guess where your feet are? Stretched out. Guess where your feet might be close to? Somebody else's face. So there's a chance like you're eating and you turn around and hey, somebody's feet are right there. So if you're a guest at, at, back in Jesus culture at somebody's home, you would be like super excited. Everybody's feet were clean because you probably didn't want their feet close to your face. Now, apparently at this Passover celebration, there wasn't any servant there to wash people's feet. We're not sure if Jesus coordinated this or if it just happened that there wasn't a foot washing servant. Either way, there was no servant there to wash anybody's feet. And this would have created a very awkward moment for Jesus' disciples. I mean, again, think about it as a custom thing. I mean, think about it if you're going to somebody's house and it's customary. This is what we always do. This is what always happens. And then you walk into that person's home and it's not happening. No one's there to wash anybody's feet. So what are you thinking? I'm sure Jesus' disciples, there were probably a lot of thoughts running through their mind in that moment. They were probably wondering, like, why didn't Jesus get a foot washing servant? He thought of everything else. Jesus was throwing the party. Why didn't Jesus get this foot washing servant? I mean, this is a customary thing. I mean, like, we always do this. Like, who overlooked this one? That This isn't good. And I'm sure there were many of Jesus' disciples that thought this, well, I guess we're just eating with dirty feet because I'm not washing anybody's feet. I'm not gonna become the foot-washing servant in this moment. 
And so they're all kind of standing around, all these thoughts going through their mind, and I'm sure Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. What are they going to do? Remember, for, for Jesus, everything is a teachable moment. So Jesus is watching his disciples not move in a direction of serving. And remember, verse 2 said it's time for supper. So it's way past time for washing feet. It's way past that time. When someone would walk into their home, they would get their feet washed right away. So when it was dinner time, it was like, hey, that was like, we should have done that like 30 minutes ago or an hour ago as people were coming in and nobody had their feet clean. Verse three says, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. I think this is a very powerful statement in light of what Jesus is about to do. And if you've heard this story before, you know what Jesus is going to do. You know that Jesus is going to wash his disciples' feet. And if you've never heard the story before, I'm so sorry, I just like ruined it for you. You know, like I gave away the ending, but you could probably guess what Jesus was going to do. You know, this Bible story wouldn't make for a great suspenseful movie or anything like that. I mean, you can probably predict what's Jesus going to do in that moment. Jesus is going to model what his disciples should do. And that's just something that Jesus did all the time. And so Jesus is about to model our fourth purpose, the fourth thing that, that he wants us to do, and it is to serve others. God wants us to serve like Jesus. That's the extension of what we were talking about last week, learning to become more like him. And one of the things that Jesus did on a regular basis was serve. And so God says, listen, I want you to learn to serve the way that Jesus does. Now, verse three again, contains some life-changing truth that we need to understand when it comes to us learning to serve the way that Jesus would serve. So again, Jesus knew that God the Father had given him authority over everything. And so because of that, I mean, think about that. Jesus was thinking, like, like, I know, I have authority over everything. Now, if we were in that spot, here's what I would do. I would say, hey, John, hey, Peter, teachable moment. Guess what? You get to become the foot-washing servant tonight. I'm God, you're not, so wash my feet. And then while you're down there, why don't you wash everybody else's feet? It's a great opportunity for you, you to learn. Well, that's probably what I would do. And Jesus had every right to do that. He had every right to make that, make that call. I mean, here he is, God in the flesh. He is the host of the dinner party. The host wouldn't wash anybody's feet. The host would have a servant do that. So he easily could have tagged one of his disciples to do that as a teachable moment for them. But Jesus knew who he was. He was God in the flesh. He knew that his disciples, if they fully understood that, if they fully understood who they were standing in the presence of, they would wash Jesus' feet. They would wash anybody's feet that walked in the door if they really got who Jesus really was. But serving was not beneath Jesus. That's why he came. He said in Mark 10, 45, I came not to be served, but to serve. So the whole reason that Jesus came to planet earth, again, was to serve you and me. And he says, I want you to follow my example. I want you to do what I do. But for many of us, myself included, many of us don't like to serve other people. 
In, in some capacity, I, I think for us, we think if I serve somebody else, maybe that gives an indication that they are in a higher status than I am. And we are in this fight for position in, in our lives. And man, we do not want to be thought of as, as we're in a lower status than anybody else. And so we fight against that. And so we prefer to be served. And when we're served, somehow it feels good, feels nice. And I don't know if it, if it makes us feel like we're a little bit more important or what, but, but being served is a wonderful thing. And serving is not all that fun in many contexts. And so we fight against that. But again, Jesus, God in the flesh, knew who he was. He knew he was God in the flesh. He knew he had authority over everything. He knew he could make any decision that he wanted to. He had every right to ask a disciple to do that. And yet he knew what he wanted his disciples to, to learn and, and what he wanted them to follow, the example that he had for them. So out of his confidence in his identity, in the authority given to him by God the Father, Jesus served. Verse four, it says, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Now, imagine you're there. Imagine you're one of Jesus' disciples. You're, you're sitting around the room. It's time for dinner. You're ready. You know, dinner's ready. You know everybody's feet are dirty. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets up and starts washing feet. I mean, how are you feeling in that moment? Like, like this shouldn't be. Jesus shouldn't be doing this. He's the host of the dinner party. He's the Messiah. He shouldn't be doing this. Like, I'm one of his disciples. I probably should have done that. I mean, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be the one washing anybody's feet, but I don't really want him doing that because that makes me feel really awkward and weird. So there's this awkward tension going on in this moment. I think that's why Peter gives his response in verse six. So Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And get Peter's response. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. So I think that was a moment of great pride in Peter's life. So he went from one extreme to another. This extreme of saying, I'm not washing anybody's feet. Somebody can do that. And then when Jesus jumps in and does it, he goes, I'm not even going to let you, Jesus, wash my feet. And so great moment of pride for Peter. And I think sometimes we struggle with the same thing right there that Peter was struggling with. And I think that's back to our first purpose, wrestling again with our first purpose, just letting God love us. Remember, verse 1 said, Jesus had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he'd love them to the very end. So Jesus is just trying to love his disciples, trying to model for them how he wants them to live, and Peter is trying to reject that. So let me just ask you, how are you doing at just receiving God's love? How are you doing at just letting God do something for you? Just letting God love you? It, are you allowing your pride to get in your way? Are you allowing your pride to get in the way where, where you're kind of like Peter saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to let you wash my feet. I'm not going to let you do that for me. So Jesus comes along and says, listen, I just want to love you. 
Jesus wants to, you know, this symbolically, he wants to wash your life and make you clean. Are you fighting him on that? Are, you know, do you have your, your fists up and your protest saying, no, I'm never, ever going to let you wash my feet? Or will you humble yourself and just allow God to love you? So Jesus replied to Peter, said, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Peter, in perfect, impulsive Peter style, responds and says, well, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And he goes from one extreme to another. Like, hey, you can't wash any part of me. And then, oh, if that means I can't be a part of you know, your family, I won't be, belong to, to, to your group, then you can wash all of me. I mean, have all of me. And that's another extreme that many of us go to. We go from one extreme to another in our relationship with God. In verse 10, Jesus replied and said, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. So in that moment, Jesus is talking about Judas, who is going to betray Jesus and uh, get him arrested and then obviously later crucified. Now, verse 12 says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus did not say, hey, now that you know this, now that, that you know why I was doing this, Jesus will bless you or God will bless you if you keep learning more about serving. He didn't say, God will bless you if you serve every once in a while. He didn't say, God will bless you if you have really good intentions about serving and want to serve, but you're just too busy to serve. Jesus said, God will bless you when you do what I do, when you make serving a lifestyle thing. Again, our fourth purpose in life is to serve others the way Jesus would serve. We, for us to learn to serve like Jesus. Now, when I see that fourth purpose, I think that's great. My immediate response is, that's great, because there are a lot of parts of serving that I actually enjoy, especially when it comes to serving here at Epic, you know, serving at church. I mean, when I think about all that we do here on Sundays or stuff that we do on Saturdays, um, I love our church. I love being a part of any aspect of our church. So I, I love uh, serving our prep team. This morning, I was here early with our team setting up the, the church. I think that's fun each week. You know, call me weird. I don't know. I just think it's great 
great fun to come in here, transform a middle school into a church facility. It's fantastic. I love tearing it down at the end of the day and getting it all put away. I I just think it's fun hanging out with the people that we work with. I enjoy working with our children and our student ministry. Um, It doesn't matter if I'm sitting with the babies in the nursery, if I'm working with elementary school kids, if I'm working with our high schoolers. I I just enjoy every aspect of it. I, I mean, not to be prejudiced, but the babies are my funnest part, except for the poopy diapers. I mean, beyond that, the babies are great. Uh, But I love serving our our children and our student ministry. And I love hanging out with our volunteers. We've got some amazing volunteers um, in our, our children's ministry and student ministry. I love working with our connections team. I love meeting new people and helping them to feel part of of something that we have going on here. I just think it's fantastic to be a part of our connections team. I love serving our community through our 3G Saturday and our 3G Sunday events where we go into our community and just pour out God's love for people. And we just go serve people in need. I think that's fantastic. I love getting a group of us together to go accomplish a task. I just think it's a whole lot of fun to go do that. Whether we're going gleaning, you know, out in uh, fields or picking broccoli last time we did that, or we're picking citrus, or we're going on a habitat build, or we're working with Grace Community Food Pantry, it doesn't matter. I think it's a lot of fun. I love serving down in Guatemala. We've got a couple of trips again this summer, headed down to Guatemala, and we're going to build some homes for, for homeless families, people in, in need. We're going to work with kids, teach them about the love of Jesus. I just love that. And I love hanging with our team when God orchestrates a team to go. I love that. I love watching the team bond together through shared experience. Now, let me just pause here for a minute and say thank you for something. Um, over the past few weeks, we've asked you to help give towards what we're doing down there. So we've got a partnership in Guatemala, and, and what we're trying to do with that partnership is help that church uh, make a bigger impact in their community. And one of the things that they're trying to do is build more homes for families in need. And so we've asked you to help us do that. And we set aside, as part of the, the budget for our trips, to build three houses as we go down there out of the two teams. And we asked you to give towards that. We've asked you to help give towards uh, team members that are trying to raise money to go on these trips. And you gave. So here's what happened when you gave. We can now build six houses this summer instead of three. So how cool is that? So you gave almost, uh, almost $7,500 towards building homes. And you gave another uh, a little over $2,500 towards team members who have committed to take time off and go and serve. So I just think that's fantastic. Giving is a great way to serve. And I'm so grateful that you are a giving church. So when it comes to giving, so many parts of it for me are just a blast. I just think it's fun. And if you are new to Epic, you're kind of checking us out or you're kind of hanging on the sidelines, one of the greatest ways to get connected at our church, or any church really, is to get active in serving or get active in a small group. When you get connected in a small group, you get to know other people, learn to do life with them. When you get active in serving, you, you learn to live like Jesus. So I'd encourage you, if you're not active in serving, dive in. If you're not active in a small group, get into a small group. Now, Here's where I struggle with serving. I only like to serve when and how I want to, right? So anybody else like that? Anybody else struggle with that? I mean, raise your hand or not. But there are some things that I love to do. And then there are other things I just hate to do. And there are moments I look at something and there's a need and I go, 
I just don't want to do that. Or I don't want to do that right now. But again, Jesus didn't say, hey, why don't you serve when you want to? Like, hey, why don't you just do it like when you'll get recognition for it? No, Jesus said, listen, I want it to be a lifestyle thing for you. I want you to serve as a lifestyle, as a way to live, because that's what Jesus did for us. Now, seven years ago, God uh, taught me a very profound lesson when it comes to serving. And I've shared bits and pieces of this story several times. So if you've heard this story before, just bear with me. If you're new, seven years ago, my wife came down with a chronic illness and it was like overnight. So she went from being very uh, healthy, very active. Um, she's a very athletic woman. Um, and we, we had just uh, had our fourth child um, just a little bit before that. And so, I mean, her world changed like overnight. She went from being very independent to barely able to walk. And, and she would walk with a cane. There would be weeks upon end that she would lay in bed in pain. We went to doctor after doctor after doctor looking for answers and, and couldn't get any answers for about two and a half years. So two and a half years, it was just a crazy adventure for us. It was a very difficult time in our lives. And so what happened in that time frame was she could barely take care of herself. And so what I needed to do was make some adjustments. And um, so I started making some adjustments uh, I started working in, at home so I could be closer to her, help her, help our kids. For large chunks of time, I took over everything that she would do at the home, get the kids up, um, got them breakfast ready for school, lunches off to school, picked them up, homework, got dinner ready, cleaned up after dinner, um, washed the, the, the clothes, uh, folded the clothes, put the clothes away, all that stuff on trying, as well as trying to keep up with my normal work schedule. And if you're a mom, or if you are a single parent, cut me some slack. Because right now you're going, loser, I do that every day. So like, I get it. Like, if you do that every day, I am a loser, okay? So I understand, I'm just telling you my story. So after a short time of serving, I noticed that I had a pretty bad attitude. I was pretty irritated. I was irritated that our world had changed. I was irritated that I had to change my schedule significantly to, to serve my wife and my kids. And so I served out of irritation, just counting down the days to when I thought Tammy would be better. And so what I did was I set this mental clock in my head. Okay, she'll be better probably by next week, and then we'll go back to normal. So I can, you know, hold on for another week. A week would rock on, she wouldn't be better. So I'd get irritated and go, okay, well, let me reset the clock. So I would reset the clock to a little bit farther out of when I thought she would be better. We would get to that spot, she wasn't better. So I would reset the clock again. Okay, maybe give her a few more weeks and she'll be better. And she wasn't better. So at some point in there, I went to reset the clock again and God went, hold on, before you set that, why don't you set it to forever? Like, I want you to serve your wife like this forever, not just for a moment. And I got to tell you, that was a profound moment for me. That was one of those light bulb moments when like the light bulb went on and you could probably see it over my head because there was a lot of glow coming off of the top. It wasn't my halo. It was just a new idea, new concept. Oh, that's what Jesus meant in John 13. 
Like that whole thing that you were doing with the disciples. Like this is my John 13 moment. This is it. That's what you were saying to me. I want you to serve your wife like this for a lifetime, whether she gets better or not. That day, a lot changed for me. My attitude changed. I began to serve my wife, I think, a little bit more like Jesus would serve. It was a very profound encounter for me and experience as as I started to serve in a whole new way. The problem for me was that serving wasn't a lifestyle thing. It was something I did when and how I wanted to. The things I liked to do is great. The things I didn't want to do, folding the clothes, still, I hate folding clothes. Like, that's the worst thing ever. I just say, let's buy new clothes. You know, I mean, that's just terrible. But God comes along and says, listen, I want you to serve. Just fold clothes. Serve your wife. Serve your kids. And I am so glad that God took us through that. Now, I'm sad that my wife got sick in that process. Um, But I'm so grateful that God has taught me a profound lesson about serving. But I wish, here's what I wish I could say. Hey, seven years ago, I learned that. And man, I rock at serving. It's awesome. I'm good at it now. I can't say that. I'm still struggling forward to make it a lifestyle thing. Um, Over the past two weeks, my wife, who leads our children's ministry, um, has been working very hard on some big changes we've got going on in our, our children's area. So if you have a kid back there, you probably notice some of the changes. We've got the older kids down in the new building over at Buddy Taylor Middle School, and we've got some changes back here with the kids. Well, they're doing a new summer curriculum, and it, it's fun. And I would say, let's just all go over there, because I think it'd be more fun over there than over here. Um, she, she's working really hard on this and got an amazing team that's working with her, and it's awesome. So she was telling me about all the stuff that she had to do in preparation for this. And so I came up with this a brilliant idea. I said, hey, how about this? How about we switch roles for a couple of weeks? So I, I can work from home. I've got the ability to do that. I've got a laptop. I can take that anywhere. So I'll just work from home. I'll get the kids off to school. I'll get the kids back home from school and I'll do dinner. And then you just work as long as you want. So I don't know if you've ever come up with an idea that you thought was good in the moment and then later went, what was I thinking? So it was kind of like that. So I noticed um, partway through my serving experience of my wife that my old friend bad attitude came back and I was irritated and I was saying things that, that I had heard Tammy say before in trying to manage all the things that she managed. So, you know, like I may come home from work and go, hey, what's for dinner tonight? And she would go, whatever Publix has, you know, stressful day for her. So she would come home and say, hey, what's for dinner? And I'm going, whatever Publix has, I'm leaving. I'll be back whenever. So like, I'm thinking, wow, like I got a whole new appreciation for her. So I am still working hard at making this a lifestyle thing. I don't have this thing down. But let me ask you, how are you doing at our fourth purpose? How are you doing at serving? I mean, just serving the way that Jesus would, not when and how you want only, but that stuff that you hate. When you hate to serve in that capacity, how are you doing at that? Is it a lifestyle thing for you? Do you secretly only serve when you can get recognition? When you know someone will pat you on the back? Someone will put a little gold star by your name? Is that when you serve only? Do you struggle with committing to serve? Because you don't want to be locked down to anything. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, I don't want to commit to that because then I'll be locked into it. Do you serve in that capacity? 
Or do you just serve whenever there's a need that arises? How are you doing at serving at church? I mean, if, if this is your church home, if you say, hey, Epic is my church home, this is God's family locally, then how are you serving here? Are you active? Are you, are you doing something to, to make God's family a better place to be? How are you doing serving at your home? You serve like me with irritation? Or are you serving those around you out of Jesus' love for humanity? How about at school? How are you doing at school? How do you serve there? How do you serve your teachers? How are you doing serving other students? How about at work? And I know you're thinking, serve at work? I mean, I get a paycheck. I mean, I'm there. Uh, I do my part. They, they give me you know, my paycheck. I mean, it's a fair exchange relationship. But Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So guess who's your boss? God is. You may hate your boss here on earth. You may hate your teacher. You may hate your coach. But God says, I want you to work for me as you're working for them. So how are you doing at that? Jesus wants, as his followers, for us to be the first ones to respond when there's a need. He wants us to notice, have our eyes open and see needs and meet needs. He wants us to be the first one to get up and say, you know what, I'll become the foot washing servant. He wants us to grab a towel and say, I'll do that. I'll jump in. I'll serve the way that Jesus served. I will serve in whatever capacity when God presents an an issue in front of me, a need in front of me, I will be the first one to jump in and serve. It doesn't matter whether we're at home, whether we're at school, whether we're at work, whether we're in church, whether we're just out in our community somewhere, or we're, we're in another country serving. God wants us to always be the first ones who step in and serve. So I think Jesus has got us gathered here today, kind of like he did with his disciples for the Passover meal. And I think he's asking, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing when I washed the disciples' feet. Do you understand what I was doing when I died on the cross so you can live? You call me teacher and Lord, and and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have served you, you should serve others. I've given you an example to follow. Now, do as I have done. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the specific model that you gave us with Jesus. Lord Jesus, you came to serve us, and it's so profound. I mean, my mind can't fully grasp that. God in the flesh, who had every right to come here and say, you served me, you came here and served us and said, I want you now to follow my example. I want you to learn to serve other people. And Lord, we struggle with that. And we've got to learn how to make this a lifestyle thing, not just a a thing that we do in one moment or one context, but we don't do it in all contexts. So Lord, you want us to be the first ones to take a step in the direction of serving. If anybody's going to grab the towel and become the foot washing servant, you want us to do that. And it's not because we think we're lower than other people. It's not that we're the doormat. Jesus, you knew who you were. And so... You served out of that confidence in your relationship with God the Father and the authority that he had given you over everything. And so when we understand 
our purposes, when we understand that you've created us to love us and you want us to be a part of your family and you've asked us to live like Jesus, Lord, it's just natural for us to serve the way that Jesus would serve. So Lord, I just pray that this week you would help us to see the needs around us. And, and that we wouldn't ponder those needs and wonder why someone else isn't doing something, but that we would step in and we would meet that need, that we would do something like Jesus would do. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, I encourage you to serve like Jesus. When you see a need, just keep your eyes open and look, in, look for an opportunity to be able to serve somebody. And be the first to respond. I mean, a lot of times it's easy as you're at the store or something like that. You see something fall and you're like, yeah, I see three other people going down that aisle. They'll take care of it. You know, be the first to respond. Jump in. Serve like Jesus. Just take those opportunities to be that one in that moment. Also, maybe you see an area right now that you know needs somebody to jump in and serve. Um, maybe today or tomorrow's that opportunity to be able to jump in and fill that need. When you see a need, fill a need. And just start serving like Jesus, starting out today or tomorrow. Now, next week, we're going to be finishing up our series um, to see what God's purpose is for us. It's going to be our final week. So I ask that you guys come in and just uh, finish out the series along with us. Come join us and check that out. Now, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And we have a lot of soldiers um, that serve in our military. And a handful of those soldiers um, have paid the, the, largest penalty, or the largest price as serving. They have passed away fighting for our freedom in this world. So as you're out, as you're uh, at the beach, as you're having a picnic, as you're grilling out, just take a moment, just slow down, and just honor those soldiers that have taken their time to be able to do that. Now, do we have any, any uh, soldiers or any military that have served or are serving currently? Can you guys stand up for me, please? We thank you for everything that you guys do. We really appreciate it, and thank you for fighting for our freedom. Now, as you've seen as you came in, there's a lot of new signs out. Our Epic Kids area has changed. The transition has happened. So there were some really cool stuff. As I went over there this morning, if I wasn't up here, I would be back there. It looks pretty awesome, just saying. So as, you're, as you leave here today, we're actually going to be closing off this area that is our nursery to our kindergarten area. So when you go, you have to walk over to the left and go through the doors. So every time you come now, you'll be going through those doors leaving the, uh, and leaving through the those doors to pick them up. Um, and also, when you get here in the morning, if you have any students in the first grade uh, beyond to sixth grade, you'll go directly over to the new area in BTMS over there, Buddy Taylor Middle School, the new area they have. You don't have to stop over here to check them in. So uh, just be keeping, keep an eye on that and just have patience with us. We're working out the kinks there. We're, uh, we're following through the transition. If you can, um, can you guys just give it up for the epic volunteers that are back there? They're doing an amazing job. <laughs> Some cool transitions, and they're being patient with those changes also, so I thank you for that. Um, now, Surge, we had Surge last night, and it was absolutely amazing. I had a great time, and we have another one coming up this Saturday. So if you have any students in the 7th to 12th grade next Saturday at 6 p.m., we're going to be having an event over at Palm Coast Community Church, um, and just bring them out. If you know any students or you have students that are, are that age, bring them on out. And if you don't know where to find when we're having our events, you can get on the epicchurch.com calendar, and we have all of our events posted on there coming up here shortly. 
Now, the announcement sheet you have next to you, um, if you could just grab the announcement sheet that you have there, read through it, take it home so you can update yourself on it, see what's happening throughout the week. Now, if you call Epic your home and you would like to give what we're doing in the community and how we're expanding here at Epic, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes right behind you. Now, if you're a guest with us, thank you for coming out. Uh, If you could, just stop by the Connection Center on your way out. We would love to personally meet you and give you a little information and tell you uh, what we do here at Epic. Now, everybody, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a great Memorial Day, and we'll see you next week.